So what happens when three crises walk in a bar? Well, you'll have to listen to the podcast to find out. Hi, my name is Angela Gonzalez, and today I'll be interviewing my guest, Pam Marino, a staff writer at the Monterey County Weekly, as we break down four articles written by Ms. Marino revolving around the latest in affordable housing development in the city and county of Monterey. We'll also be discussing temporary housing developments during COVID for farm workers and homeless populations, as well as water availability for housing, and surprisingly, the strong housing market for residential real estate in the area. All of these amalgamations of these housing issues fall under the umbrella of three crises, public health, environmental, and economic. So please stay tuned in as we discuss these issues and these crises and get down to the root issues here with Pam Marino as we discuss what exactly happens next when three crises walk in a bar. This is Angelo Gonzalez. I'm your host of Miss Radio. Today we have with us Pam Marino. Uh, Miss Marino, she is a staff writer for the Monterey County Weekly. Um, she joined in November 2006. Uh, she's covered uh, most of the Monterey Bay communities, including Carmel, Pacific Grove, Delray Oaks, Monterey, and Pebble Beach. Uh, she's covered topics such as tourism in the area, health, housing, and homelessness, business, military, and higher education. Um, without further ado, uh, Ms. Ms. Marino, thank you for joining us today. Um, and yeah, so we're going to get started. How are you doing this morning so far? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Um, so without further ado, yes, uh, we're going to be discussing a couple articles that I had gone over uh, that Miss Marino had published in the, in the past month regarding housing. So uh, I first want to dive into an article we were reading on uh, Monterey developing the city. Uh, developing uh, affordable housing and reaching out to to try to recruit some builders for city-owned properties, and uh, this this comes at a point in where uh, the council, the city council, had moved to uh, last fall to agree to four spots. Only on July twenty-first, the city announced a RFP, a request for proposal to developers who might be interested in building. Uh, these RFPs are, are basically requests to developers to develop high-quality, multifamily, affordable housing. Um, and those RFPs are going to be due by September 4th. Um, part of that requirement is that the units must be 100% affordable, have a quote-unquote high-quality design, and be sustainable and energy efficient. Uh, so these are new developments that are, that are going to be put up. Um, and we, we have those addresses, and we'll list them at the end of this podcast. But uh, the first question that comes to mind when I was reading this article um, for myself was that um, someone who's covering this story um, and who understands you know, housing for the city of Monterey, um, what do you think set this initiative off in the first place to, to consider approving um, more affordable housing in the city? Well, um, there was a um, developer, uh, Dan Silveri, who approached the city, and he had already uh, developed 
in conjunction with the city of the Monterey Hotel Apartments, which are on Alvarado Street. And he approached the city about uh, last year about taking the Calle Principal garage. Uh, it's that two-story garage um, there and, you know, making affordable housing there. And um, the staff, rather than just moving on that one suggestion, they decided, let's look at all of the city-owned properties and see if there's, you know, any other potential for uh, building affordable housing. And they found five spots. They took that to the city council. And one of the spots was immediately decided, you know, that wasn't going to work. And that was um, up. It's they own where the veterans of foreign wars are. It's up the hill from downtown. It's like on the way to Veterans Park. And it's in a kind of a residential neighborhood. And I think it was council member Alan Hoffa who said this is a non-starter because I, I think he realized that, well, the veterans weren't going to be too happy about losing their building and the residents weren't going to be happy. So they stuck to those four spots downtown and told, you know, gave direction to staff to go investigate, like, how many units could there possibly be? on each uh, parcel of land. And then also um, to look at the water question, like did they have water and how much? Um, mm. And then staff brought brought that back to the council and that's what got us to this point now with the, with the RFP. Mm. Okay, and so you had mentioned one developer, Dan Silvestri. Silveri. Uh, Silveri. Um, think I'm thinking of Sylvester Stallone or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> watch too many movies. Um, but yeah, so this, so this 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 individual um, is is one person who comes to mind. Um, have you come in contact with anyone who else would be interested? Is is that something that um, has, has piqued the interest of other developers in the area? You know, and, and that's a difficult ask, right? I, I think when we're, we're considering you know, 100% affordable housing and uh, in terms of like uh, ROI, you know, um, rates that would that would get back just out to the, the developer themselves. Um, I'm curious, yeah, if, if you have any indication of who might be interested in these kinds of projects for the city. Well, definitely mid-pen housing. Um, they developed the Van Buren Senior Housing Project, which is just, you know, right there near um, at least one of the properties. And, you know, they've developed multiple projects in Monterey County um, for affordable housing. And, you know, they're a nonprofit developer. So that's all they do. Um, and they've worked with the city before. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they possibly were interested. Um, there's other nonprofit developers in the county like CHISPA and the Monterey County Housing Authority Development Corporation. And that's, you know, that's their purpose is to take properties and develop affordable housing. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I would expect may, maybe seeing some of those names when the RFP comes due. Mm. Is that, is that something where, 
when when a developer is selected for a site, can you have multiple developers on one site? That that might be a pretty green question, but I, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I think the city will take a look at the at the proposals and choose one developer. We're not talking about you know like a ton of units. <laughs> Um, right. I think the Caillou Principal could be 50 units. I mean, w these are not huge parcels. I mean, Chispa, Midpen, you know, that they've done, you know, much larger developments. The Van Buren Senior Housing is um, 19 units. I mean, 18 for the seniors and then one for an on-site manager. Um, so that would be comparable to what the city's looking to do in one of those other um, parcels. Mm, yeah, that, that that is true. And uh, that, you know, this wouldn't be too, too heavy of a task to, to uh, lengthy of a task to, to create what would be deemed high quality multifamily affordable housing. And so taking a look at that policy that would be put in place to create these uh, future development sites, um, are there any uh, things that you wish to describe in terms of uh, the process to seeing whether water comes into these areas? Do they have the water credits available? Yeah, so each site does have water, but it doesn't, they don't currently have enough water to build enough units that would make it um, economically feasible for the developer to um, you know, construct the project. So uh, they will, the city will have to go to the water board and they'll also, my understanding is they'll also have to get approval from the state um, water authority because uh, you know, currently if, if that's, if you only have enough for four units, that's all you're going to be allowed to build. Mm. Um, but if the city can convince the, um, the local water authority and the state water authority, hey, this is for a good purpose. This is to provide affordable housing um, so that, uh, you know, more of the people who work in our community, um, you know, in the service, industry or at places like the aquarium at miss you know wherever um you know this you know we should be allowed to um expand that i'm saying that it's it's going to be tough to get permission from the local water board and the state mm. but um i i think he remains hopeful that they'll uh, succeed and they'll get enough water um, to to build the housing. Mm. And so, part of that that um, that negotiation strategy that will that be implemented by the city, um, you know, ensuring that there'll be enough water credits. To you, you mentioned the economic feasibility for developers. Um, part of that an initiative. Does that does that come with with utilizing different? Uh, I don't know if if, if Hans mentioned uh, efficient uh, utilities. You know whether you're going natural gas versus an all electric 
approach to um, to the housing? You know, I don't. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure about the gas. I know there's a, a big push to go all electric these days, but um, I have no doubt that they'll be using, um, you know, energy efficiency, water efficiency, all those things in the building. I mean, that that's really where those sorts of developments have gone because in the long run they want they want to save water they want to be able to show the water board look we're making you know efforts to save water and, and um they they want to save money for the for the future residents right and so you have um the monterey uh correct me if i'm wrong on the title i always always get this mixed up but there there is a project that uses water reclamation. Uh, that's Monterey. That's Pure Water Monterey. They're working on that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know that. I mean, I, they they have it, they've been successful in doing it, but I yeah, I'm I'm not as well versed in the water battles that go on around here. I mean, I I, I know as much as I read in the Monterey County Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> which is a lot because we write we write a lot about it but i'm not the water reporter so <laughs> the, the, the shameless plug for the mc weekly there you go <laughs> pick it up today it's actually monterey uh week no monterey county now right you guys oh well that's our that, so that is our online daily newsletter okay um and that links everybody to what the latest and greatest is on on the website because since the pandemic we've gone um essentially daily uh but online got it got it yeah so so when this rfp deadline comes up which is fastly approaching less than a month now um what do you foresee in terms of uh what what, what will happen next well, I think so the the staff will if there's multiple bids, if there's one bid, if there's multiple bids, they'll take it to council. Um I'm you know, I'd hope to see it sometime this fall, but it's hard to say with COVID um you know what'll happen. But uh they'll take it to council and the council will you know sort of weigh the different proposals. Um and uh, and they'll they'll choose whatever whatever developer they think has the best proposal for the downtown area, and uh, they'll certainly look at everybody's track record. Um, and um, you know, they'll eventually we'll see a developer emerge, and then uh, they'll still have to go through the whole planning process and um, like water probably you know get those approvals so it, it'll take a while it could take up to a couple of years right yeah and, and one thing that comes to mind is, is is also moving through uh the architectural review committee right so right well and yes and the planning commission and uh like in the van buren project they did neighborhood meetings um because there are there are some residents who live across the street and in that um, general area, um, 
I think it might be a little bit easier in downtown because there's less um, neighbors, um, at least residential neighbors. But yeah, because the, the Van Buren project faced some opposition from neighbors and they, they wound up having to scale it down a little bit. Um, but I don't, you know, hopefully they won't have those same sorts of objections downtown. Right. Leaving, leaving room for public comment. Um, part of, part of that, that process, you said it, it, you know, it could take a couple of years to see these, these sites to be fully developed. Um, part of that process, I was, I was talking to Rafael Hernandez with MBEP and we had this lengthy conversation about what he has come across as, as what is seemed as like a barrier to building uh, affordable housing units is kind of this dichotomy of ministerial versus discretionary um, processing of, of development sites. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with those two terms. I, I know that mm-hmm. discretionary is, uh, is, is, you know, is the voting process that we see that we've been talking about with the city with any public um, entity. And then you have the, the ministerial, which is more expedited process. Um, do, you, do you see any, uh, what, what's your thoughts on the, that dichotomy? <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, that's really a big uh, political issue on the, on the state level because um, the legislature, different legislators, you know, they keep trying to introduce and pass bills that would streamline the process, especially when it comes to affordable housing. But there's, there's a lot of opposition to that. Um, there, you know, c- cities and counties aren't necessarily happy to have their local control taken away. And um, so they, they might, I, you might have a city that says, hey, yes, we believe in affordable housing, but we don't want to be told by the state that we have to relax our parking rules or we have to, um, we don't get to, you know, make decisions about um, the size of the units or uh, height, you know, how many stories, that sort of thing. And there's also a lot of, you know, citizen groups um, that are, that protest these types of things because they want to be able to weigh in um, and they feel like that's taking away their ability to uh, speak up on projects and, and frankly delay projects because that's a tactic that some groups will use in terms of um, just keeping the process going as long as they can um, and delaying anything from being built. And then you have some that will sue and take it to court. Um, there's another bill right now. I don't have these numbers. I apologize, but there's another bill right now that would say if you do take something to court, it has to be decided quickly. So it can't just languish in the court for years. Um, so there's there's different ways that the legislature is trying to uh, move it more to a ministerial type of process. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's an uphill battle. For sure. And, and as, as someone who, who lived in Monterey for a couple of years, 
being exposed to that uh, that local control uh, element is definitely a, a strong one. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think pushback by by a lot of cities and, and, and towns um, is uh, well, it's it's certainly political. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. I I think what's fascinating is is you know. I think when you were mentioning all that is you see at a state level, if you're in Sacramento, you're seeing the numbers that are necessary uh, to you know, adequately address uh, the homelessness um, in, in the state of California, adequately address housing uh, prices at a, at, a, at, a, at a toll where it's, it's, it's kind of getting out of hand, right? And it's mm-hmm. become an issue, uh, a political one. And so... It's interesting. Uh, I think that you see at the state level, you're like, "Oh man, this is getting bigger and bigger. We need to we need to tackle this." And then as a as a city, you know, you're looking at what the state is doing. Like, okay, well, do you really understand what's happening in Monterey? <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yes. All the intricacies, you know, the 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 water, um, the the there's so many. I mean, facets and stakeholders that are also involved and interconnected in terms of just water policy alone um, and how that, that flows from even, you know, our, our big agriculture sector that we have that's involved in how much water they use. But uh, we won't, we won't go too far into that tangent. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah. Um, so part of zooming out of Monterey, um, I know recently looking at the, the Monterey County, uh, their board of supervisors just approved a uh, 1.2 million housing trust fund. Um, and I'm curious into your insight on that. Um, do you foresee that being distributed? Uh, how does that distribution look like? Uh, will it be possibly uh, distributed within the city of Monterey or just on the county level? Well, I expect it will because uh, Monterey, it hasn't, contributed to the fund yet but it's um it's committed to doing so um i know pacific grove uh, committed monies um salinas committed monies or or i actually gave monies i'm sorry um so there was a few cities that right away gave money into the fund um and then there was a couple cities um that said we will at some point so I would expect, yes, that those cities could then uh, tap into the fund at some point, um, or at, rather the affordable housing developer will tap into the fund if they're going to build something in those, in those cities. So, mm. And so that would be used for, for offsetting costs for the developer, correct? Yeah, well, yes, um, it would be one source of monies. I mean, affordable housing developers, it, it's a it's a really complex project. Um, I did a story a couple of years ago about um, housing as healthcare um, for senior citizens. And that's where I was covering the Van Buren project. And, you know, I had a couple of interviews with some of these developers and it's, it's just mind blowing what they have to go through, like the leveraging of uh, tax credits and trying to get the loans and um, getting monies from different sources um, like state grants. 
city mm. grants, county, you know, it's like they have to like find all these different little pots of money and they have to be able to show to a lender, this is what we've got. This is, you know, this is what we can um, leverage. And, um, and then they have to get the right interest rate from the lender. I mean, it's, it's a very complicated process. So things like the, the housing trust fund, I think are just, you know, it's another way to help affordable housing developers um, get the money that they need to build these projects. Right. And, and one comes to mind, um, a visual all throughout that process. I'm thinking of Spider-Man just like outstretching his arms, <laughs> keeping the train like from freaking falling. <laughs> that's, <How do> we... <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Like all, all those different monies, they're all the parts of the web that's like holding everything together. Right. Right. Uh, it must be, I, I'll have to hit up mid mid pen after this for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Or, or yes. Um, or definitely, um, Monterey County Housing Authority Development Corporation, um, uh, they would be good. Or CHISPA, yeah. Excellent, excellent. So that brings us to uh, the time of corona that we are currently in. Mm-hmm. And um, part of that is, is taking a look at uh, the article for our listeners. I was, we, were, we were reading up on Governor Newsom. Uh, plans to increase temporary ag worker COVID-19 housing. And this was based on a Monterey County model. And the article was, was written by Miss Pam Marino. And it was discussing the increase to temporary housing. And, and part of that increase comes at a time where a recent study came out by the Monterey County Health Department. And it was a report on COVID cases in the county. And um, as, as the most represented occupation in, in the county uh, that had contracted COVID, about 972 patients, of those patients, they all, they all worked in agriculture, right? And so um, in terms of that plan from the state and then what we're seeing done here in the Monterey County, um, what, is, yeah, what is being done in terms to expedite you know, building more housing for farm workers? Well, um, yeah, so there's a, a lot of the, uh, there are different growers who are trying to provide more housing, either for H2A workers who are coming seasonally um, or, you know, permanent housing for families, farm worker families. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, CHISPA is part of that. I mean, there's, there's different um, nonprofit developers that are also involved in that. But some of the growers have put up monies to build housing. And um, so there's, uh, uh, there's a couple of projects that are underway in South County. Um, my uh, colleague Asaf Shalev wrote in early July about a project that just broke ground in Greenfield. And um, that's slated to be done in March next year. That's for H2A workers. And then mm-hmm. um, there was uh, the Monterey County uh, Planning Commission approved a project for 1,200 workers in Salinas, but that has a ways to go yet. 
um, King City approved a project um, not too long ago, but that's going to take a couple of years to build. So everybody's sort of focused on it, but it's not um, it's not going to be right away. Um, and the temporary housing that you mentioned um, that Governor Newsom's now trying to take to other parts of the state, that's that's sort of like the project room key model of um, taking hotels and motels uh, and just having temporary housing during the pandemic so that workers who have to quarantine or isolate are mm. are able to to do so so that's that's very temporary you know that's not gonna um stay long term um but yeah that was a that was a partnership of gr the grower shipper association and growers and the county and you know and uh, you know, private, um, you know, like hotel owners, et cetera, all coming together and making that, that happen. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that I think when I was talking to Rafael Hernandez on that, um, he had mentioned that what this pandemic has basically laid out is a, like the naked truth of how, you know, there are there there are overcrowding in, in in terms of housing situations, in particular for farm workers themselves and their families, um, and you know, this pandemic basically you know under underlined that yes, <laughs> we we definitely need not only that short term you know temporary housing with the the project um, project room key. I was gonna say latch key, but that's completely completely <laughs> different thing um not related <laughs> but um how we have the the project room key program that is is being provided to uh ag workers uh but then also in the long long term you know how this will kind of provide a little bit more i guess political will if you will to to creating more affordable housing you'd say absolutely yes i think I think that it has brought to to more people's attention the the need for affordable housing and the project you know the project room key was focused mostly on um, homeless um, and and it's now sort of morphed into um, the uh, home key program which is per buying some of these hotels and make it per permanent homeless housing but I think overall for a, just trying to provide more housing for low-income families. I think, yes, people now see this is something we have to do. And I don't even, I'm just starting to report on the eviction process. I don't mm. even, so I don't even know what's going to happen in the next couple of months in California. That's something I'm, I'm about to look into, but it's, um, I know, other parts of the country are about to undergo people getting evicted who couldn't pay their rent because of the pandemic. And so I, I, it, it's, it's staggering what could happen. We could see a lot of people on the street and I think that will push people even further into, we have to do something because you just can't have thousands of people on, on the street. I mean, it would be, chaos and terrible so 
Right, right. I mean, it's it's interesting because I was like, wait a minute, but we do have thousands of people living on the street. <laughs> yes, we do. You're right. You're absolutely right. But uh, that's, we're talking yeah. working more. class, you know. Yeah, like more. <laughs> yeah, more. Yeah, and so <laughs> I probably even, you know, more. Uh, well, it is what it is. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. But um, as it as it is uh, come come to mind in terms of you know that that mentality, I, I think one thing that also you mentioned. Um, as we shift towards understanding um, just basically the possibility of, of, of people being evicted, you know, and, and moratoriums being lifted. Um, I mean, wow. Um, it, it, has there been any conversation on, on, you know, the continuance of moratoriums during this time? Yes, I think that is being that is being looked at. Um, the The sticky problem is that um, the property owners have to pay their mortgages and their bills. So, um, yeah, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. I know there's um, Anna Caballero is working on a bill that would. Um, Essentially, what it would do is the uh, property owner could get a tax tax credit for like so the the family living in the unit or in the home would be able to stay even though they aren't able to pay their rent. The property owner would get a, a, some sort of tax credit, um, and they could actually. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure of how this all works, but they could actually sell it. They could actually get money um, for that. And so the property owner would get some kind of money at least, but then um, the debt then goes, the family then owes the debt to the state and um, it's collected just like a tax is my, is my understanding, but there's, it's deferred um, for a certain amount of time. And um, so there's, there's some, there's some creative thinking out there for how, how can we keep people in their houses? I think that's the biggest concern of legislators is how can we keep people housed for now and yet not have then property owners like get foreclosed on because they couldn't Mm -hmm. pay the mortgage. Or they can't, right. or they can't afford to maintain the house because they have no money coming in, or the apartment complex, so they can't get things fixed. Um, so there's there's things being looked at, like how how can we help both sides of this equation? Right, and that that kind of spills over uh, into my next question about also commercial real estate. Um, seeing that, um, you know that. The, the possibility of just just maintaining those those properties as well um, what what have you seen uh, in terms of uh, commercial real estate being maintained um, yeah so I only know I'm only familiar with Monterey County because I did, recently did some reporting on this and what I was told by a commercial broker is that 
so there's different levels of that. There's industrial, which apparently is holding okay. There's there's still a need for companies to have industrial properties um, where they can do their work or storage or whatever. Um, there's offices, which uh, he believes that the Monterey County office market will stay okay. Um, I mean, you're going to see big changes up in the Bay Area, for example, because now that companies realize people can work from, from home and that works, um, you're going to see companies divesting themselves of office space. But um, the uh, broker I was talking to said he doesn't foresee that in Monterey County. Um the issue is really at the um, retail and restaurant level. We're going to see a lot of businesses close, um, unfortunately. And so we will see a lot of empty storefronts um, is my, my prediction um, and empty restaurants. And that'll probably be true for a couple of years while we dig ourselves out of the economic crisis. Right. And, and part of that, you know, comes at, at the federal level as well um, in terms of, you know, whether or not, you know, the, the PPP or the, the S, SBA loans continue um, to some degree on the back end, mm-hmm. you know, once this thing uh, subsides, um, hopefully by the end of this year, fingers crossed. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, or or whether or not, you know, we start considering other, you know, economic development plans um, for, for bringing businesses back. Um, I guess stay tuned to, to the next Miss Radio episode on that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think we, we've covered a considerable amount of areas revolving around affordable housing, not only in the city of Monterey, but the county as well. Um, my last question revolves around home sales. Despite all that is happening, home sales to be strong at this period of time. Why is that? Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, So, uh, again, because of sort of what's happening up in the Bay Area with all these tech companies um, having their people work from home, people are realizing they can work from anywhere. And um, so uh, you're seeing... A lot of uh, families from the from from the Silicon Valley coming down here to purchase homes, and uh, because you know they want to be, it's it's closer to nature. I mean, we're really in a great place to, in a pandemic. I mean, I have to say, because even though um, we have to not leave our houses as much as possible, I mean there. People do have to get out and exercise, and so you've got the the shoreline. Um, you've got some great trails, so that's really appealing to people that they can um, have that access to nature. Also, if you've got kids and you've got say two parents working, um, and say you're coming from San Francisco where you're coming from a very small place and you need more space. So um, this is another, you know, it's, they can come down here and get a larger home with maybe some kind of a yard. Um, So that's, that's 
definitely happening. And when I spoke to a residential um, realtor, he was saying that, because um, I asked, I said, well, wouldn't that push prices up? He said that right now there's a lot of, um, there's enough supply. So there's enough houses that are being sold. And so that's sort of keeping the prices steady at, at this point. Um, and I asked, well, why are people, you know, selling their homes? And he said that there were people who pre-pandemic were considering selling. And, um, but now that they see there are buyers, they are realizing, okay, I can get a strong price and I can go, I, I don't know where they'd be moving to, but, um, <laughs> Uh, so right now that's where we are. I foresee that's going to change because at some point the um, housing stock's going to get smaller and then you will see prices go up. So that'll be a whole new, a whole new situation. Got it. Got it. Well, that, I mean, that pretty much covers it on my end. Okay. Are there any last thoughts that you might have uh, regarding the current situation that we are in? uh pandemic or or, or just post <laughs> which, which, without pandemic which crisis oh, are you referring to <laughs> yeah um yeah i so how this is like a really fascinating area to be of the state to be in i think for the housing question because there's a whole bunch of housing that is um, waiting to be built out on the former Fort Ord and in uh, Seaside, you know, still in Marina, but Seaside and um, Del Rey Oaks. And that's going to be really interesting to watch. Water is going to continue to be a big, big, um, you know, issue. And, but I think the need for housing is there. And so I think you're, we're going to see over the next 10 years, you know, like a really big push to get some of these developments that are out um, on the former Fort Ord built. And then we're, and then it's going to be interesting to see what, what the area is like at that point to have more people. I think everybody's gotten used to um, things being the way they are because really the population hasn't changed that much um over you know the last couple of decades and so to see an increase is going to be i think a challenge for people who've lived here a long time because it's going to be very different i think you'll see like a shift in sort of political power maybe um so it's a it's a very interesting time to be in monterey county i think it, it's it'll be very i'm 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 looking forward to watching how things unfold. Ooh, I, I like the, the the mysteriousness of that. <laughs> well, because it's all it's all an unknown. I mean, I, I think we'll I think the next couple of years are going to be really tough as we come out of the pandemic, and it's going to be. I'm guessing it'll be similar to the Great Recession, and that. I mean, I hope we're not looking at a depression, but. Um, I just think it'll be really, um, it's going to be challenging couple of years for everybody, for businesses, for cities, for residents. Um, 
but I think we'll come out on the other side and then I think we'll start to see more housing be built for sure. Right. It's as if, uh, you know, like, like the one thing I think about is, is Donald Rumsfeld's quote, there are no knowns. There are things we know that we know. We also know that there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things that we do not know. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, folks, <laughs> stay tuned. Um, well, thank you so much for, for being with us, uh, uh, Pam. And, and, and I really, um, it's, it's been a, a, a wonderful light that you have shed on so many different topics revolving housing in the community. So um, we'll definitely be in touch. And I'm sure that, um, you know, we'll be in collaboration on on future housing topics. Um, So thank you so much. And that is cut. I was going to say thank thank you, Angelo. (laughs) I'll I'll edit out my cut and then like splice it. I'll I'll make it work. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And, and Hey, um, I I would highly recommend that you invite us off on to talk water because he knows he knows water um who's that asaf shalev he's he's the other staff writer that i work with okay yeah if you're if you ever want to do a show on water he would be the one to ask and he also he's he's a great data guy so um in fact uh if you see today's paper we did it on hate and he worked with some submiss researchers on finding extremists um, online. So, uh, you know, definitely, you know, read that. It's a fascinating story. For sure. Yeah, I saw that on the, on the side ticker on, on y'all's website. Um, I'll definitely take a look. Oh, whoa. Uh, this is a new feature. This is really the flip book. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's super cool. Yeah, I mean, we always had the e-edition, uh, or we had it for a long time, and then they recently got a new format, this flipbook thing, which is pretty cool. Wow. It's a little bit easier to use than um, than the, the previous format for the e-edition. You even can, like, hear the, the, the pages flipping. That's yes. <laughs> I do like that. <laughs> oh, man. I Okay. Well... Sounds like I gotta make another espresso and do some reading. Okay. <laughs> and that is a wrap, folks. My name is Angelo Gonzalez, and you've been listening to Miss Radio Podcast, and I thank you so much. And a big thank you also to our guests on the show, Pam Marino, for taking the time out to discuss her writings with Monterey County Weekly, as well as her own opinions on affordable housing in the Monterey Bay area. And yeah, stay tuned until our 50th episode. That will be a big one that will be featuring all of our members from our Student Housing Coalition as we break down for, oh, we've been going strong for about two, three years now. So thank you for listening for all this time. And um, yeah, stay tuned and see you next time. Ciao.